Hello, this is Jim Meskimen, and it is the, uh, well, the eve of October, the month where we celebrate Halloween, the most, uh, some would say, the most diabolical, most uh, spiritual in any case, uh, with the good and ill implications of that uh, particular category. And so I'm doing my best to sound like Orson Welles, which I always find to be difficult, of course, but also very soothing. And uh, the only thing about it is after a while I start to feel quite peckish. I want to grab a turkey leg with both hands and shove it into my teeth. That's not very respectful, the late, great Orson Welles, but there you go. I was listening to uh, some of his uh, wonderful narration and and, uh, acting work recently from War of the Worlds which I guess is the reason why I kind of consider consider there's an association between Orson Welles and uh, the uh, Halloween season. Of course, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all your garden gates. And we couldn't uh, key all of your Cadillac Escalades, could we? Anyway, I hope you guys are having a, a great week. Uh, I'm having a kind of a quiet, kind of a quiet week. Uh, it's the, I flatter myself that it's the it's the lull before the storm. I think I spoke about this before. It's like, uh, you know, you promote a lot, and then all of a sudden comes that time when uh, all the promotion you've done starts to bear fruit. And hopefully uh, we'll have a late uh, harvest uh, this year. Uh, the Impression Guys, our series, I call it our series because uh, I have very little to do with it, really, other than playing myself or a version of myself. Uh, in this uh, a little too autobiographical um, series on uh, it's on YouTube now, but we hope it'll be on a TV channel or a platform or whatever they call it these days. We're gonna drop uh, seven more episodes in a couple weeks. I think right now the plan is October fourteenth. That could change. It could be never, or it could be earlier, or it could be right bang on the fourteenth. And I hope it's soon. And I hope you enjoy it. I, I think you'll like them a lot. Uh, I tell you what, there's some really great impressionists. Mike Truesdale is one of them uh, who's fantastic in the show. He comes on as a recurring character. Uh, there's Piot, of course, Piot Michael, who is getting more and more recognition. And uh, Dana DeLorenzo. And, uh, and then a bunch of other people that are really terrific. Rachel Butera, who is amazing. Um, Brock Baker who I met through YouTube, and he's sensational. Well, you'll have to see. And some surprises, some surprises some people you won't expect. And uh, not all impressionists, also just some really terrific actors and personalities and celebrities and everything else. And and I think the story is great, and Ben Shelton wrote that. Well, you'll have to see. You'll have to see. We had a hell of a time doing it. It was really fun. It's been a gift for me, and I really uh, have had a great time. And if it goes nowhere, I'll still feel great because we did it and it really is great and people will enjoy seeing it. Because, you know, we did it and it's on the YouTube and what are you going to say except that we did it and that's that. So I learned a lot, actually. We we hung out with a lot of impressionists to do the big season finale. It's all going to drop at once. So you'll be able to binge watch seven episodes, including the big season finale. Uh, but that's they're 22-minute episodes. So you know what you should do probably is is go on a long cruise Download everything, go on a long cruise, go to Iceland, and then you'll see it all, and you'll really enjoy it. And then you get to Iceland, and you can forget all about it, because apparently, that's a hell of a beautiful country. So I was thinking about styles and humor and and, uh, and stuff like that, and it occurs to me that um, this may or may not make any sense. And I could be wrong as well, as with everything on this podcast. I could be dead wrong. But, um, I don't know, 
people every now and then ask me about comedy and humor, although I'm not a stand-up comic, but I'm a kind of a dabbler in it. And, uh, and I think about it a lot as a topic and, and, and trying to unlock humor. And a lot of it came from just a sort of a reaction against the kind of people that say, well, you know, you're born funny or you're not. And these are usually very irritating people in general that say a lot of other things that are quite bothersome. Uh, and, and I always sensed that that was a lie. Uh, and I was right. Turns out I'm right. Uh, because you can't actually teach people to be funny. It's better if they're, if they're bright, but anyone can learn to be funny. Absolutely. In writing or even in delivery, you know, like a comic, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to have 40 killer minutes, but you will be funny. You will not be a boring person all your life. So there's hope out there for absolutely all of us. Uh, But then I started thinking about humor in general and what is it. And today I noticed that there is a kind of a pervasive style of humor in in a lot of uh, modern entertainment, Saturday Night Live, uh, Funny or Die stuff. Uh, some of these uh, Judd Apatow wannabe movies and, and some of the Judd Apatow movies, although I, I do like them very much. But some of these modern, very what I consider very modern, very hip, very now, of the moment comedies contain humor that eludes me, that I don't get, okay? And I, as a professional who's worked with mainly with, with comedy all my life, I I wonder about that because it's interesting because because we've all seen or I, I have certainly 55 years old. I've seen these waves of comedy styles come and go. I've lived through big waves of them. You know, when I was gosh, I was listening to a radio show today from 1962 and it was just like it sounded so old fashioned. It was like something from 1932. Um, so that was still playing around around the time when I was a kid, you know, I'm like, wow. And, uh, I don't know, the Ed Sullivan kind of things. And then the, uh, I don't know, the, the, you watch these corny old fifties comedies with Doris Day and Rock Hudson. And what is supposed to be a rollicking time? It's a rollicking time. A love story that will make you laugh until you keel over. A love story that will drain all the blood from your head. And then you watch the thing, you go, well, this will be funny. And it's like, really? That is about as funny as a catalog from Crate and Barrel. There's just nothing there. It's so old-fashioned. And then there were things that, you know, of course there's things that you think are a scream when you're seven years old, and then later on you revisit and go, well, okay, well, that was a seven-year-old point of view. And then I lived through the, uh, I lived through this. This was dangerous. I lived through the Monty Python, uh, the introduction of Monty Pythonization uh, technology. And that was a great breakthrough. And there was a stagnation there. And that was a that bust up the logjam because they were completely irreverent. They were completely deconstructivist. And and believe me, the ramifications, the reverberations and the echoes of that sense of humor continued on to, to right till now. People still in advertising and in popular um, stuff now will will resort to some of the methods and techniques of Monty Python. What's a Monty Python technique, for example? Well, it's not it's not just talking like this. Of course, that was great. We all loved that at first. We never heard anything like it. And that was great. But what I mean is like the structural things like. Uh, like if you're having some sort of title card for your movie and it says, South America, 1755, Thursday, that kind of thing, you know, where it's the unexpected thing or the management reserves the right to ask anyone in the theater to leave if they are trying to open hard candy. Really, we mean it. We're not kidding around now. Honestly, I mean, it's so irritating. You know, that kind of thing where it just gets very colloquial and chatty in something that is supposed to be very formal. And that's basically, you know, all tracks down to 
wrong emotion, which is the fundamental of most humor. Um, but anyway, I was thinking, I've seen these styles come and go, and then there was this crazy Cheech and Chong period and this early Saturday Night Live period. And, and whereas those are specific kind of platforms, if you will, they also embody a particular kind of viewpoint. And I narrated a book about um, the Harvard Lampoon and how the Harvard Lampoon morphed into the National Lampoon, which morphed into Saturday Night Live. And the genesis of all those things is a bunch of snarky guys from Harvard that, you know, that were nerdy, uh, you know, counterculture, kind of pissed off, probably very geeky literature majors who smoked a lot of grass and drank a lot and changed the sense of humor of the culture for probably two or three decades. And it's a very interesting book, by the way, and I, I recommend it. I can't remember the title right now, but it's about... Uh, the Harvard Lampoon. You can look up my name on audible.com and look for something that has a kind of a Saturday Night Live look on it. Um, anyway, so thinking about that, and I'm like, well, what now? What now is the sense of humor? And I don't get it yet. I don't quite get it. It seems difficult to grasp. Okay, that's fine. Maybe it's not for me. I mean, I'm very happy with old comedies, old comedy styles, and I'm also very happy laughing at the ridiculousness of life as we see it today, as it exists today. It's the absurdity of it and the absurdity of how we talk to one another and uh, just the absurdity of dealing with the same old stupid problems here in 2014. I mean, war and the political nonsense and it's the same problems that Shakespeare talked about. All of it. We haven't learned. It just it's it's either hilarious or it makes you want to go, you know, jump off of a cliff somewhere. But so and I realize probably there's something to be said if we if we liken into this discussion, this one sided discussion of humor, which I hope you'll participate in. I look forward to your comments. If we look at it from the point of view of fashion, okay, we all know about fashion, and, and fashion is is not just clothing, fashion is almost every product is affected by Fashion, which just means, what does it look like now? What do you got for me today? That's basically what fashion means to me. And, uh, well, in clothes, you know, you cannot wear something that's three or four years old. The buttons change. The lapels change. If you're a man, the pants change. There's no pleats. Don't wear pleats in the front anymore, guys. You know, don't the cuffs or the thing, everything changes a little bit, and you don't even notice it. But behind the scenes, people are changing it. And after a while, you look down and you go, oh, my gosh, for the last five years, I've looked like a jerk. Unfortunately, I've now put all those photos up on Facebook. So fashion exists, I guess, to place us in a time, in the time that we're in now, and so that we can look back on it or we can exist in that time with everybody, and the agreement is, this is the style now. Okay, great. So fashion, I mean, I imagine it extends into groceries and, and, and sundries, and I know toothpaste. You know, your toothpaste that you grew up in high school using or your blemish medicine, or your deodorant, every year they have to make it a little more special. They have to add something to it. And it's very likely it's not something you, you need or want, but it makes it new. Now, new blemish medicine. Now, with chocolate. Everything now is gluten-free. Even we bought some uh, sunblock that was gluten-free. What do people think they're doing? We're putting sunblock on a Ritz cracker and eating it? I don't know. So you, you've seen this, and I, I just got a new car, and it's got so many new automatic things that somebody thought was a good idea that you you can barely drive it. That's how bad it is. I can barely play the radio. I can't find... Anyway, 
Don't get me started. I've already started myself. Well, let me show you what the car does. This is, uh, do you remember how on your old vehicle you used to just press this button to get all the radio stations? Yeah, it was pretty simple. Yeah, here's what you do. You got satellite now. So on satellite, let me show you some of your options here. Ooh, wow. Yeah, you got, uh, I don't know how many, probably oh. 6,000 different stations. Oh. And uh, you just turn this and press this. Now up on the steering wheel, you see up on the steering wheel that, uh-huh, this thing here? That, no, that not that. Oh. That's oh. the one. Yeah, that little uh, that little button there. You uh, you press that; it'll scroll through your favorites. But to set your favorites, you got to go into the nav system. I got to go into the nav system. That's right. Just press this. Select here. Scroll down. Is your Bluetooth attached? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to a dentist in a while. I <laughs> know. I mean, <laughs> that. Uh, give me your iPhone for a minute. I'm gonna have to register you here. Uh, could you just enter the password for that? Oh, what, the uh, password. For, uh, shoot. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, so I just didn't put that there. Now, this is going to download all your contacts. Really? That's right. All your contacts. And if you want to call anybody, all you have to do is push this button here, select this. And you see that there? Uh Uh-huh. Go like this. Oh, oh, that was kind of fast. I didn't. And this, and that, and there you go. All right. Ah. Now, I noticed I didn't have to put the key in actually in the car. No, no. It's automatic key. That's That's a proximity key. Proximity key. Sounds like Yosemite Sam. Oh, it's not. It's not. I mean, I mean it's just, yeah, all you have to do is carry the key in your pocket, or you can have it just put it here. Now, I heard about a guy who put a key on top of his car, uh-huh. one of these proximity keys, and he then he drove off. Yeah, and then when and he, then got, he got, to got to his... To, uh, where he was going, uh, he couldn't drive back. Is that, that what you heard? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what do you do about that? Don't leave it on the top of the car. Ah. So many aut- automaticities. I forgot why I brought this up. But style and mode and of today. So humor, right? So... I don't understand it, but um, I don't understand the humor of today necessarily, all of it, but I'm very happy with the humor that I do understand. And uh, luckily, there are you know more than a few people around that are my age or older that still understand the old patterns, the old ways. makes you wonder, you know, when you go into the future, 25 years, 30 years hence, uh, won't that be interesting to see what the sense of humor is like? It might be very brutal. It may be very like, uh, ha, 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 look, he fell down and his head is bleeding. It's funny. That is, do it again. Do it to him. I hope not. What do you think characterizes the sense of humor of today? There's an awful lot of, I think, what I catch, here's what I, here's what I detect. And maybe I, maybe I see what's going on and I just don't, I, I'm not comfortable with it. That could be. Of course, I'm not supposed to be comfortable with it because I'm an older guy, right? I'm supposed to be kind of alarmed by it. And uh, but here's what I see is inappropriate things. Okay, that's a fundamental of humor anyway. Do something inappropriate. But the kind of inappropriate things are people who are very kind of like a character who's extremely introverted. And then he's going to say something that it just comes blurting out. And, uh, you know, he's talking to a girl and they just met and he's saying, actually, my testosterone level is is extremely high. In fact, uh, I have an erection right now. I guess I shouldn't have said that. Like, okay, that's awkward, yes, and it's tasteless, and, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's comfortable, although I just said it, (laughs) I'm not the kind of guy comfortable making jokes that are kind of a little bit blue and off-color and prurient, prurient, which would be a word that was more in vogue if if it was easy to say. So there's expressions of awkwardness and things and and being very violent or going, oh, he just kicked his head in, wow. I'm not doing it right, you know, because, again, I don't understand it. I'm not comfortable with it. I haven't made my peace with it. But how do you characterize it? What do you think is going on out there? And uh, does it delight you? You know, because I, I talk to a lot of people. Okay, here's a good example. Anchorman. 
I don't find Anchorman very satisfying. I see parts of it that are funny, but overall, as a concept, it does. it's not for me. Although I know people that are just about 10 years younger than me that it's like a religion for them. They're really, really in favor of it. They're really flying the banner. And obviously, they made a lot of money off of Anchorman. Not my cup of tea. I'm not offended by it. I'm not, but I wouldn't cross the street to see Anchorman 2. I just wouldn't. I, I'm just, unless I was in it. And then, of course, I would be dedicating podcast after podcast to why you should go and see Anchorman. See, that makes sense. In my day, we had a, the Anchorman was, literally, the Anchorman was a Ted Knight in the Mary Tyler Moore show. Hello, Lou, Mayor, Mayor. And we all screamed at him. Uh, he became very iconic. But at the time, it was like, oh, yes, thank God somebody is lampooning, effectively, the Anchorman of the 60s. You know, so maybe this Anchorman movie, the Will Ferrell character, does effectively lampoon the Anchorman of the 80s and 90s. I didn't watch the news during that period. I just assumed they were all the same assholes that we've been listening to in the 60s and 70s. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I'm missing. And if I really hunkered down and had lived through that, then I'd know more and understand it more. Just an example. But I think that good comedy is pretty constant. Although, you know, there's some great comedy in Shakespeare that just doesn't play anymore. But that's usually verbal stuff for, with the vocabulary. You have no idea what uh, what Gabo is saying in uh, The Merchant of Venice anymore. He's the big comedy relief. I can't remember his first name. You don't really need a first name with a name like Gabo. Anyway, if you're waiting for Gabo, you'll wait a long time. That's a Samuel Beckett joke. Listening to Groucho, now Groucho is still funny. Groucho's going to be funny forever. And particularly uh, in uh, Night at the Opera, or You Bet Your Life. It's extremely funny. But there's something very truthful about Groucho, and he cuts to the chase. And he brooks, no, uh, he brooks no disagreement. Anyway, talking about humor is one of the least funny things to do, so I'm going to stop right now. Hi, radio listeners. This is Todd Strumley, and I'm out on location today. Uh, we're out in Paradise, New Mexico, in the backyard of... Uh, Eric Slevowitz and Mr. Slevowitz is showing us some of the some of the things he plans to use tonight uh, in his musical presentation. Uh, and uh, would you describe Mr. Slevowitz exactly what it is that we're looking at out here in your in your capacious backyard? Yeah. Well, in my uh, in my backyard, in my capacious backyard, what I got is a bunch of uh, two by fours, uh, four by eight panels, drywall. Some lathe, uh, patching tools, some mud compound, ripsaw. Uh, I got a Molly screws, Edison bolts, some conduit. It's essentially hardware. It's, it looks like a vast landscape full of uh, the detritus of some huge yeah. construction. What is that? Oh, I just <laughs> the castings hey, off. This is, hey, this is good stuff. Here. This oh no, I didn't detritus. mean to disparage. I, I just mean it, it looks. You know, like these are three penny nails, pal. They're copper coated. They ain't gonna rust on you. <laughs> in, in any case, for the radio listeners, let's right. just say that we look like we're at a construction site here, and yet this is yeah. uh, the equipment that you're going to use for tonight's concert. Yeah, for the night's concert. I mean, everything you hear right here, I could be, I could put up a nice tool shed. But instead, I'm going to be using all this stuff for my passion, my love, my art. I'm going to be using it for the hardware Philharmonic. I'm going to be creating a, a classical piece of music using the tools you see before me 
in my capacious backyard. And here, and it's tonight uh, for the listeners at eight o'clock at the Hector R. Momsen Auditorium yeah, downtown. Don't be late. Here at, don't be late because we go up at eight shop. Paradise, you know? New Mexico. It's going to be a, a, a rather lengthy program as well. I'm looking here yeah. at the flyer and. Uh, what is the first uh, number that you'll be performing? And by the way, is it just you performing, or are there other members of the oh, yeah. Hardware Philharmonic? I imagine oh, yeah. you probably it's, have to have yeah, quite a crew. It's Carpenter's Local 285. They're going to all be with me. Oh, okay. There, so it's a whole union. A whole union. We've got Electrical Local uh, 729, mm-hmm. and then we've got the Plumbers Union up there as well. They're going to be essentially doing what we call a, the woodwind section, mm-hmm. but they're going to be a, they're gonna be a, plumbers are going to be over there. Okay. Well, we open the show uh, with an overture of Act One of La Bohème, and I'm going I'm to be doing that on a rip saw, uh, skill saw, uh, jackhammer, uh, nail gun, uh, a lathe, and a couple assorted other things. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a bandsaw and a, a power wench. And then a couple of saws. It's, it's amazing because when I look out at this landscape of what looks like discarded uh, junk and machinery, uh, the last thing I think of is a delightful musical evening of uh, uh, haunting melodies. And uh, Well, you see, that's where you and me are different. You know, I look out there and I see music. I see, I see you know, to me, uh, I, I see uh, uh, the, the, the beautiful sounds, uh, uh, something created. Because, you know... Music don't last forever. You know, you hear music unless you record it or something. But what's the beauty of what we do is that we play music, and at the end of the evening, you can walk away with something built. I mean, after the, after the overture of La Boheme, uh, we're going to have a nice cabinet made, and we're going to give it away to a lucky uh, person in the audience. Well, that's terrific, and I can't think of uh, any uh, musical act that's come to Paradise in New Mexico that's had uh, quite the... Uh, the breadth of, of what you offer, at least, you know, I haven't heard you yet, but I can only imagine from your description and what I've read that it's going to be a terrific, terrific evening. I really recommend anybody who's in the neighborhood, if you hear some hammering, please come on by. And then uh, we go into Act 2, is going to be beautiful. Um, everybody's going to be coming out in uh, tuxedos, uh, knee pads, and welded masks, and we're going to be welding a section of uh, a Mozart piano concerto. So I'm feeling kind of adrift, frankly, with the culture right now, and perhaps I always have. You know, I, I don't understand the I don't understand the humor. I don't understand the cop shows are boring. What's wrong with uh, Paladin? Huh? What's wrong with the Untouchables? Uh, los Intocables in Espanol, para los hispanohablantes que están uh, escuchando este uh, grabación. Well, there you go. Hey, uh, respond back, will you? Let me know what you think of this podcast. Please subscribe. I'm not going to stop. And uh, I'd love to know what you think about my uh, point of view. I do feel somewhat alone sometimes. Like, uh, well, I'm alone in the booth. But uh, I do feel alone in my thoughts about the culture. And I'd love to know if you agree or disagree. Uh, We could get into a long-distance rhubarb about it. Or we could have a love affair. Thanks to Jeff Levin for the music, Tate Rupert for the improv. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And check out the Impression Guys on Soul Pancake on YouTube on the Soul Pancake channel. Can't wait for you to see the new season. Bye-bye.